Amen. Today is going to be such an encouraging message. I'm so glad that you're here today and then you're here with us. I can sense you guys are a little bit quiet today, and I know you ain't going to be quiet tonight. So you guys got to make some noise. Say hallelujah. Woo! We are alive. God is good. He kept us alive this year. As the old timers used to say, I would rather be here than the best hospital in town. And I'll take this one step further. I would rather be here than the best penthouse in town. It is so good to be alive, be in the house of God. And I want you all to open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3, because I want to talk to you today about forever and ever. Everybody say ever. Thank you. We're going to talk about forever today, and I want to tie it to our sermon series in the book of Ephesians. We started this last year in February. I just checked online. There are 43 messages, 43 messages on the book of Ephesians, and we're going to rock it all out the entire year of 2018 as we get into chapter 4, 5, and 6. Now, today's message is all going to be about encouragement. Next week's message is all going to be about uh, spurring you on, uh, giving you something to look forward to, to give your life to. And what's going to be awesome next week is we're going to do our end of the year uh, celebration, all things that God did. This was one of our biggest years ever. Most finances, most people, most people reached. Uh, just so many amazing things. So please come next week ready to just be excited about what God is doing. We'll also give you your end of the year giving report. So we want to say thank you. You can see all that you gave to mission. Such a great big missions year. Remember we supported Africa, Tisa and Jean, and I, I just love them so much. And they want to say thank you to you as well and uh, just so many other things. So make sure you come next week with your friends and family as we're going to get into uh, a great message on starting your year right with God. How many think you should start your year right with God? Come on. You better put God first because he put you first on the cross, didn't he? He made time for you. Make some time for him. Amen. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is going to be a powerful, powerful, encouraging scripture for you today. I hope you see it in a way you've never seen it before. It's going to really, in my mind, talk in some things about our future that uh, Ephesians has been hitting on, and today we're going to really nail it down. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul's prayer here. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. How many races are there? Come on, one race. The What kind of race? The human race. So everybody comes as a creation from God, right? Nobody's from Mars here, right? Nobody came from the goo through the zoo to you. You're not an evolutionary accident, right? So how many races are there? One race, the human race, we all come from God our Father made in the image of Jesus as he breathed his spirit into us. Hebrew, the Ruach, the Ruach of God came into us. Now we've fallen, sinful uh, by birth now because of Adam and Eve's fall. And so not everybody is a child of God in that sense, but we're all a creation of God. And he desires us all to be born again as his children. That's why Jesus came, so that we may have eternal life, that we may not perish. You're already at default from birth to perish born a sinner. And if you don't think children are born a sinner, uh, sinners, come watch my five kids one day and I'll show you how much they sin without nobody telling them. They sin all by themselves. Nobody taught my kids how to lie, steal, uh, take things that don't belong to them, beat each other over the head with stuff. They come up with that on their own. Could you imagine a culture where we didn't raise our kids right? You know, I mean, it would be a terrible thing. And that's actually one of the reasons why we have so many problems in our city right now is a fatherless homes. Fatherless homes are lacking the discipline. I thank God for single moms. We have a single mom's life group, but we got to pray for our fathers and our mothers to be married and be great moms and dads. Amen. 
So for this reason, Paul said, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names. He created all the angels too. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Look at the spirit there. And then now we're going to learn about Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here you see Paul. He's kneeling before the Father who's in heaven. The Holy Spirit is in his heart, and he's praying that Jesus will make himself known to him, that he'll know Jesus. How many want to know Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit? You don't always have to kneel when you pray, but it's a good idea to kneel at times because a, one, a person that's knelt before God, kneeled down before God, can never get knocked down by the devil. And the Bible says those who are kneeled down before God, God he will lift up every time by his mighty hand. Does anybody believe that today? So he says, I'm praying that, that the Father will do this by the Spirit through the Son. There is our wonderful triune God. Verse 17 continues, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. See, it's all about love. May have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide. Everybody go, how wide? How long? How high? And somebody say, how deep? See, is the love of Christ, the love of Christ, so wide, so long, so high, so deep, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How much is Paul praying that God will fill you today? The fullness. So if God is filling you up today, do you have any room to give the devil? How many of y'all had some big Christmas meals, and if somebody tried to give you one more thing to eat, you would puke. You were full. You didn't have no more room. Come on. That's how God wants you to be so full on the Holy Spirit, full of God's love, that you don't have room for the devil. It doesn't matter what woman comes batting her eyes at me. Would Jennifer Lopez be shaking it like this? My heart is so full with the love I got for my wife. I ain't got no room for you, baby. Keep on walking. You see, God wants you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength so you don't have no more room for anything else. God will fill you up that much. Can I get an amen? To the full measure of God. And he said it's all about love. The assignment of every Christian through the Father, by the Spirit, and Jesus is to know the love of God. We just debated some black Hebrew Israelites. They're African Americans. I think they're the lost tribes of Israel. They keep these Old Testament laws. They're wacky in a whole bunch of different ways. But we wouldn't preach the gospel to them. But some of our people who are watching the live feed, and you can find it on our Facebook page, What Do You Believe? They said there's no joy on their faces. What's wrong with them? They don't even look like they're Christians. Well, it's because they're not. You can have religion but not have Jesus. I go to uh, McDonald's all the time, but I don't become a hamburger. You can go into a garage and go vroom, vroom. It doesn't make you a car. You can come to church, read your Bible, shout hallelujah when a preacher preaches. Good doesn't make you a Christian. You have to be transformed inside out by a loving relationship with Jesus. It's all about God's love. If you're not sure of whether or not you're going to die and go to heaven like these guys were because they have to keep all these Old Testament laws, they don't even have assurance of their salvation. You're not going to be happy. I know I'm saved. I know if I die, I'm going to be in God's presence. I'm happy today. I don't have to go to Father Tom, and I don't have to pray to his mother or his brother. I go right to Jesus because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. I got Jesus. I got love. I'm good. Come on, somebody. This is how I'm coming into 2018. I'm going to pimp slap the devil like Bernie Mac did in that president movie with Chris Rock. I'm just going to pimp slap the devil and get me all that God has for me. Because it's all about love. It's all about love. I live and obey God's commands because, yes, there are commands in the New Testament that Christians are to keep. But I keep these commands out of love for God. 
No one has to command me to go home every night and lay down with my wife in her bed and do what married people were intended to do. Nobody has to command me to do it. I do it out of love, but there is a command for husbands to satisfy your wives. Did you know that? There's also a whole book on love, Song of Solomon. I asked some of you teenagers to be careful when you read it because it gets real. I'm telling you the truth. See, I love being with my my wife. I love making babies with my wife. Don't need a command to do it. I do it on my own. Nobody has to command me to take care of my kids, even though there's commands for me to take care of my kids. Are you listening? I do it out of love. See, are you looking at your relationship with God as a religion, keeping these black and white laws, or do you see God as a person and you do things out of love? That's Paul's prayer. Paul says he wants you to to go on a Jacques Cousteau, you know, a Nat Geo adventure to discover the depths of God's love, the heights of God's love, the width of God's love. Come on, and the length of God's love. I want to go on a love adventure. I'm on a love journey, and I am one of the most masculine men you will ever meet. Are you listening to me? But I love God. I love God. He's my heavenly father, and he has always been by my side. There was a disciple. His name was Irenaeus, or excuse me, Polycarp. He was trained by the disciple John. He's written about in church history. He lived around the first century, and he was 80 years old, and they caught him, and they were about ready to martyr him, and they said, here's how we don't burn you alive right now. You fall on your knees, say Caesar is God, and deny Christ. And here as an old man who knew the apostle John Polycarp said, I've known him all these years and he's never done me wrong. I can't deny him now. And they set him on fire for Jesus. I can't wait to meet him in heaven and say, you are my hero. To hell with little Wayne and all that garbage. You're my hero, Polycarp. Come on, somebody. I mean, I don't want little Wayne to go to hell, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not here to imitate some guy who takes a rubber ball and puts it through a metal rim and call him my hero. I want to live for God and follow the people who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want people who loved him so much they were willing to die for him, not just live for him. The question is, what you're living for worth Christ dying for? Or are you just wasting your life? Don't look at, look at your neighbor and say, don't waste your life. This is a precious life. You have a precious life. Don't waste it. Let's keep going. It says, now to him. Everybody say, now to him. Thank you. Not to me, not to a pastor, not to a pope, but to God, the Father we're bowing before. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God will do more than ever we can ever ask or imagine. And I talked about this in one of our sermons. I used to imagine marrying a beautiful woman, you know, but my wife is more than I ever imagined. And I'm not just talking about the external. I'm talking about knowing her as a person and knowing the depths of her soul. When I used to imagine about getting married... I would just have an imagination, and it would just be a person in my mind, almost like a cartoon, doing whatever I wanted them to do, looking nice. Oh, but when I got to meet her, she's so much more than I ever imagined. When I was a single man, had no kids, I would imagine about kids. They were little cartoon kids, little smiley kids, never gotten in trouble kind of kids. But, oh, but when I got to meet the real kids, they're so much more in depth. It's like looking at a two-dimensional object, a cartoon picture, to real people in real life. That is how much more my children mean to me now than what my imagination was. I used to imagine about this church and people filling up the church, and I would imagine you, almost like in the crowds of those cartoons. Yeah, we love Jesus. And I would just see these images in my mind. But now I get to know your story and your story and you get to hear your heart. You're so much more than I've ever imagined. And here's the thing. Whatever I don't get to see on this earth of what I've asked or imagined, guess what? There's a world to come where dreams come true. Heaven comes to earth and that's what he taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm not here to come preach to you and be like 2018, gonna be like a year you ain't never had before. Come on get ready. It's your year. I don't know. This 
year you might, catch, you might catch cancer. I had three people in 2017 in this church catch cancer. People are burying their father this week. I don't know what 2018 holds for you. I'm not going to shuck and jive and lie to you. I don't know what 2018 holds. That's correct. But I know who holds 2018. And I can promise you this right in here. Whatever you go through, God's going to go through it with you. And he will do it more than you can ever ask or imagine. On the count of three, let's read verse 21. One, two, three. Now to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Where's the glory coming? It's coming in the what? In the church and in Christ Jesus. Do you know that Jesus Christ died that you might live? Do you know that Jesus rose again from the dead that you might have a new body and a resurrected body? One day your brain will die, but your mind will live on. One day your physical feelings of this body will die, but your emotions will live on. And one day your strength will die, but your will will live on. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions in your spirit. And you occupy a, bo a body like an astronaut puts on a space suit. You have on an earth suit right now. And you will take off that earth suit one day, and you will be in the presence of God. And he will glorify you forever and forever and forever. And Jesus is our example of the glory of God. What Jesus got, now I get because he got it for me. He became what I was that I might become what he is. On the cross, he became sinful that I might become righteous. The son of God became the son of man that the son of men might become the sons and daughters of God. Does anybody here want to be like Jesus? Jesus is our example. Jesus shows us what it's like to be raised again. The Bible says he is the firstborn among the dead that he might have preeminence and the first among many brothers and sisters. He wants us in his image to live forever with him, with the glory that he has. To him be glory in the church, in us right now, in the church. Not just a building called the church, but the people who are called the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. That's what the church is and in Christ Jesus. For how many generations? For how many? All generations. For how long? Forever and ever. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's our passage in Ephesians. But I want to give you a sister passage that Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians to encourage you today. Look at what he said here because he ties it all together in this Corinthian passage about a life being short and sometimes painful. But he encourages us about the life to come. And this glory that we have come in our way is forever and ever and ever. Look at what it says here. For God said, let there, the same God who said, let there be light and let it shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. So where does the light start? It starts in our heart. That's what glory is. It's light. You used to be covered with light. You didn't need clothes. You were clothed in the glory of God. What was the first thing they realized when they sinned? They lost the glory and they were naked and afraid. What's the first thing you get back when Jesus comes? The glory of God. What did Jesus give us a taste of on the mountain of transfiguration? It's called the mountain of transfiguration because there he began to glow brighter than the sun and the Father began to speak. That's what's going to happen on a resurrection day for all of God people. Look at your neighbor and say, get your shine on. You better get your shine on. I'm telling you, let it start in your heart because the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts. How many had some dark hearts, but Jesus turned the light on? Oh, hallelujah. He did what seemed to be impossible in my life, my friends. Oh, he did it in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. How do you get to see the glory of God? Through the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I wish I could look at his face as I'm looking at your face. But the Bible says you have two set of eyes. You have these earthly eyes, but then you have spiritual eyes. Of course, it's a metaphor, but it represents what God does in your heart. And, of course, we know our eyes are important. I don't want to live without them. 
But you know you got to see things more than just with what you see in your earthly eyes. See, when I close my eyes, yes, it's important to see you, but I don't see you. But I can still sense love in my heart. Even if I went blind, I could still see love in my heart for my kids and for my wife and for my fellow man. So it's really the things of the heart that are more important than what you see in the natural. Don't live by your feelings. Don't live by sight. Live by faith, and God will change your life. Amen? He's got glory to start right in here. And it's not make-believe. Let me tell you that right now. It's not make-believe unless you think you're make-believe. Sometimes people say, show me God, and I'll believe. And I say, show me yourself, and I'll believe you exist. You ever think about that? Show me you. Well, you say, here I am. No, you're just showing me a hand. If I take out your hand, a knife, and cut off your hand, are you still you? What if I disembodied all of you? Are you still you? Is he show me you? Where are you at, my friend? Where are you hiding in there? Somewhere a ghost in the machine? No, you're a spirit in a body. In the same way you're a spirit in the body is the Holy Spirit is inside of those who have been born again. That's why you have to be born again. And as surely as I hear my own thoughts, I hear the thoughts of God speaking to me and comforting me. And those thoughts that he speaks to me are more important than anything in this world. And as a matter of fact, I will then see him face to face as resurrection day comes. And then I will be just like him. And I'll say it was so worth it to live by faith and not by feelings. The Bible says, but we have this treasure in a jar of clay. The glory of God, the light of God is a treasure, but it's in a jar of clay. Where's your jar of clay? Would you touch it right now? It's your body. Would you touch your neighbor's jar of clay in an appropriate way? In an appropriate way. Unless you're husband and wife, but uh, in an appropriate way. Here we are with our jars of clay. The Bible says, but this treasure is in a jar of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Who changes lives? Do you change your own life? No, God changes you. Do you go on a self-help program and God changes you? No, you go to the grace of God and he changes you. He's not asking you to do better, to be better. He makes you brand new so you can live better. That's how God does it. He changes you from the inside out. Somebody may say, well, don't I have to do good works to be saved? No, you get saved and then you do good works. What comes first, the child learning arithmetic or the child being born? child has to be born first to learn something. Do you have to do good works to be born again, or do you get born again to do good works? Bible says you're made first the masterpiece, the workmanship, the handiwork of God, Ephesians 2.10. We've already gone through it, so that you may do the good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. We have this in our jars of clay. It shows us the all-surpassing powers from God and not from us, but now look at him, make it real. Somebody say, Paul, make it real. He's not one of these phony preachers to ask you to believe that 2018 you're going to be rich, a millionaire, no problems. Now look at what Paul says. Well, we are hard-pressed on every side. Anybody ever feel pressed? Anybody have a tough year you felt pressed on every side? Your bank account was pushing you this way. Relationships were pushing you this way. Your neighbors were pushing you this way. But look at what he says, but we're not in despair. Look at what he says next. What, look at this. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, rather. We're perplexed, but not in despair. How many ever get perplexed in life? You don't look at Facebook enough. I said, how many are perplexed in life? I look at Facebook all the time, and I say, this is so perplexing. I just had a friend put up a picture of a bird beak with its beak beating out the brains of another bird and eating it. I got so perplexed. I said, what is wrong with you, man? Why are you putting up a bird eating out the brains of another bird? You ever look at the news and get so perplexed and say, why are people so crazy? Why do people kill their children? Why do people molest their children? Why do parents abandon their children? Why do so many bad things happen to good people? Y'all ain't keeping it real with me today. I get perplexed. But he says, I'm not in despair. He kept it real, didn't he? He said, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. You ever get put down for your Christian faith? People ever tell you you're lame for being a Christian? People tell you don't go to that church. That's not the one we baptized you in as a baby. People look down on you because you raise your hand, you clap your hands. Though they act like fools at a sporting event, but they make fun of you coming to church getting excited for God. 
But it says right here, I may be persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. You know, Paul wrote most of his letters in jail. Do you know that, Paul, you know how Jesus was whipped? You've seen The Passion of the Christ, the movie, 39 times with the, the Roman cat of nine tails. That meant it was a whip that had nine different tentacles on it with broken glass and, and, and pieces of pottery to rip into your skin every time. Jesus got whipped that, that time, uh, that way, 39 times. You know how many times Paul got whipped that way? Three times. He was beaten with rods twice. He was left dead after he was stoned. That's when he saw a heavenly vision. He says, I'm persecuted, but I am never alone. I am never abandoned. I'm struck down. People ever try to knock you down? I know sometimes we say we don't get knocked down, but man, I've been knocked down before. I've had to claim bankruptcy before. I've made financial mistakes before. You ever get knocked down in life? I've been knocked down in life a whole bunch of times. I was in love with a girl. I said, oh, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to go surprise her in Minneapolis and ask her to marry me. They told her, your boyfriend's coming to meet you. Go wait at the airport for him. So she's there waiting for me. I get in the car. I'm all excited. She is not happy. We park there, right there next to the airport. She said, I got something to tell you. I knew it wasn't good. She said, I've been cheating on you. You want to talk about feeling struck down. I was about ready to ask this girl to marry me. But I'm so glad I dropped the zero and got with the hero, that one right there in the back. Amen. Let God save her and deal with her. She ain't my problem no more because I got this one right there. Amen. Oh, man, you ever been struck down? But the Bible says we're not destroyed. Yeah, you may get knocked down every now and then. That's okay. But we're going to learn to kneel when we're there, right? We're going to learn to kneel and trust the Lord. But we're uh, knocked down but not destroyed. And then the Bible says here that this is what we're doing in life. We're always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus. So I want you to think about this. When you tell me your problems, do you tell it to me like Paul? Because all I see on Facebook most of the time is people tell me their problems like, I'm crushed, I'm struck down, I'm abandoned, nobody likes me. I want to challenge you next time you say your problems to say it just like Paul. Yes, I'm pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. Put that on there. Come on, somebody. Yeah, man, I've been persecuted by my family, but I'm not abandoned. I'm still coming to church. And you know what? Sometimes I get perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm trusting my God. See how Paul knew how to go through problems? And he said he carried in his body the death of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus might be revealed. What does that mean he carried around in his body the death of Jesus so he could have the life of Jesus? You know why Jesus died? He died because of sin. Sometimes people say, well, when God died, who ran heaven? Well, first of all, they don't understand the Trinity. Jesus is not the Father or the Spirit. So while Jesus was doing his thing, Father and Spirit were just fine running heaven as it was. And then again, they don't understand death. When you die, do you stop existing? No, my friends, you'll never stop existing. People who take their lives, suicide, they think that they hit game over. No, you just sent yourself right to hell. Don't do that, my friends. That's the sin of murder. You don't ever stop existing. So when Jesus' body was there, it died because of sin, because our sins were put on him. He lived a sinless life, but the Father put on him sin. That's why his body died. He always existed. Just like when your body dies, you'll exist. There will not be a millisecond of you never existing. All you'll do is just switch bodies. Are you listening? But the Bible says we carry around his body of death. Why? Because we were sinners by nature. He became sin for us on the cross. And so we will relate to him in death. This body must die. It's cursed because of sin. Adam and Eve cursed it. And now everyone after us must, must die. And so Jesus died for our sins so that in the body you might have that treasure. You might have a new life and live on. So how many know it's not, happy, it's not good to think about, but how many know you all going to die? But how many know you're going to live with Jesus? I double-dog dare you to put that on Facebook. He died so that I might live. He died that I might live. He took the sins that I needed to pay for. He took my judgment that I might get his reward. Oh, y'all looking at me, you don't, you don't understand that. 
What if I just gave you my credit card and said, here you go. Would you take it or would you look at me silly like you're looking at me now? Y'all would take my credit card. Come on, what if I had $1,000? Y'all would take that. You would get so happy. Some of y'all don't speak in tongues. You would start speaking in tongues. Whoa, thank you, Jesus. You start speaking in tongues. How about $100 million? Man, you'll slap your neighbor for $100 million. Y'all look at me. You don't understand this. Jesus died so you might live. That's the greatest sentence, you know. Come on, John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Why don't we perish? Because he perished for us. He died for us. That's what Paul is saying here. Verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. How many want to use your body to serve Jesus? Right? We're serving with our body Jesus. So we make our body our slave. It goes where we want to go. You came to church today. Some people already started to party last night, sleeping in. They don't want to be in church. But you're making your body your slave unto righteousness. Amen? Praise God. And then verse 12, so then death is at work within us, but life is at work within you. How many of you here making sacrifices for others? Well, then you can relate to Paul. You know, I think about my wife having five children. You know, having children is still a dangerous thing. And back in the day, women would die often for that just to give life. But I'm so thankful that women do that and that my wife did that so that life can come. How many of you think right now you're birthing things in the spirit for other people to enjoy? Maybe you're coming together to make a family and you're birthing prosperity through your hard work so that your children can enjoy it. Maybe you're on the job and you're having new ideas, birthing new ideas so your company can succeed. How many want to birth a new nation up in this place? Come on, change America from the inside out. See a cultural revolution. I'm in the pains of childbirth right now for some crazy folk in Chicago. Amen. I'm birthing them right now. I feel like I'm going to die for them, but Jesus used me to bring them life. Come on, somebody. That's what it means to live for Jesus and to serve others. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. I know that I needed someone to preach to me. I want to be that preacher now for somebody else. And even if I get persecuted or they don't like me, it's going to be worth it. That's what Paul is saying. Now in verse 13, he says, it's written, I've believed, therefore I have spoken. How many believe what we're talking about? Now how many are going to speak like it? You see, you say that you're crushed, or you say that you're, you're pressed, but you're not crushed. Believe it. Speak it. Share the word of God wherever you go. We're not denying that we have problems. Not at all. We know that we got problems, but we're acknowledging the problem solver. Y'all get that? I'm not denying the facts. I know the facts. I just also know the truth, and his name is Jesus. So he said, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Is the Holy Spirit a spirit of doubt or a spirit of faith? The Holy Spirit will come on the inside of you and start giving you faith. How many of you got faith today? Things go wrong, but the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you and says, you can make it. And you're like, I don't think so. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, trust me, I got you. Problems come your way, and you start to think to yourself, no, man, this is getting worse, man. This is not getting better. And God says, I got you. How many of y'all had had some what the world would call just silly faith? This They look at you, they think you're silly, but it worked out for good. They thought you were crazy, but God had a plan for that. You know why? Because faith doesn't make sense to the world's mindset. To the world's mindset, a high school dropout like me is not supposed to have my master's degree going to get my doctorate. I'm supposed to be flipping hamburgers somewhere. Are you listening? You see, God has a plan that don't make sense to the devil. It's not illogical because God created logic. It just doesn't make sense to the world mindset. That's why you got to put your mind on the things of the Spirit, on the things of the Bible, and what God, where God does stuff like part Red Seas, where he raises the dead. How many of you all believe he did that stuff? 
Come on. So we follow a God that can do the impossible all the time. And people ask me, what's a miracle? You know, how does God do that? You mean you believe in that? And I ask them this all the time. I'm saying, man, do you believe that we can make a cartoon or a CGI movie and make a guy fly and do all these things with animation? Sure, we can do that with computers. You know, it's animation. It's all that. I said, well, who do you think animates this world? (laughs) God animates this world. What is an atom to God? An atom to God is just something like putty in his hands. If he wants to make me walk on water, he can do that as simply as they made a guy on TV fly like Superman. God is the creator of this world like they're the creator of movies, and our God is much greater than the movies. Are you listening? So I am not thrown off by miracles. My God created the world in the natural order. If he wants every now and then to show his power in the natural order, let him do that because that encourages us, doesn't it? Has anybody here ever witnessed a miracle? See, I've seen miracles in my life, so I know that they're real. I'm a walking miracle. Anybody here else a walking miracle? So I want you to think about this. He says, we believe we've spoken, verse 14, because we know the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and will present us with you to himself. Did you get that? The same one who raised up Jesus is going to raise us up. Now, verse 15, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that's reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow for the glory of God. How many want to be thankful today? Now, here's the conclusion of this. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. I'm getting to my message, but i got to read the last passage right here. Here's the, introduction, um, here's the conclusion here of the introduction. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why doesn't Paul lose heart even though he's persecuted, even though he's being pressed? Because he knows God's with him, and one day he's going to raise up just like him. I read this verse to my grandmother. The last uh, conversation I got to have with her until dementia took her entire mind. I don't know if you've ever witnessed anybody go through dementia, but it's a sad, traumatic experience. It changed my life. I never saw life the same after that. She would be taking uh, pumpkins, putting them in the oven, trying to cook it like a turkey. I had to put her into a home and uh, visit her in the home. I never cried. You can ask my wife as much as I did seeing her because she didn't recognize me. And I read this verse to her before she lost her mind. Remember, I told you, even though your body's losing these things, you've still got your soul. And so all you do is just take off this shell and put on the new one. But I read this to her, and I said, Grandma, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Grandma, even though the brain's breaking down, your spirit is getting brighter and brighter like the sun to the full light of day. That's what Paul is teaching us, is that the body dies. This suffers pain. It has agony. It has senses and feelings. You know, sometimes you just don't feel good when you wake up in the morning. And like I said, this year, literally, we had three people get diagnosed with cancer. One is in chemo right now, just came to church for the first time in first service with their hair missing. And it's just like, oh, there is pain in watching the outward body waste away. My gray hair, I used to be a young man. I used to be like these guys. Come on. But my hair is wasting away the wrinkles are setting in. But the Bible says, yet inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. Verse 17, let's read together. One, two, three. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. How much, how long does this glory last? How long does it last? It's an eternal glory. And it far outweighs them all. What's the all that outweighs? The troubles. And now look what Paul says here. He says they're light and they're momentary. I know many of you right now would want to argue with Paul and say, oh, come on, Paul. Paul, you don't understand my life. These are not light problems. I was abused by my parents. I was left by my mother to raise myself and my my siblings. I've had people die in my life, Paul. 
Paul, I've been diagnosed with cancer. You're telling me these are light and they're not momentary, Paul. Who are you talking to? A moment? Come on, Paul. These last days, these last months, these last years, I watched my aunt die of bone cancer over years. Paul, don't make fun of us now, man. Don't, don't, don't tell us these are light and momentary when they're heavy and they are long. But maybe Paul was seeing something we didn't see. Look at the next verse, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? What is unseen is what? Eternal. You know, very seldom do I ever use little things to help me preach. I'm one of these preachers that says, just give me the word and I'm ready to go. Sometimes you'll see preachers preach with skits and props and all of that. I'm just like, give me the Bible, a street corner, a mic, whatever, I'm ready to go. But today I want to use one example that somebody brought to me a while back and it's changed my life forever and I want it to change yours right now. Today's message comes from Paul's promise to us that the glory will fill the church for all generations, forever and ever. And Paul reiterated that to the Corinthian people. And he said, all of this you're going through, God is still with you. You are not crushed. You are not abandoned. This is not over. And I want to tell you what, in comparison to the eternal glory that God has for you, everything capital E, everything you face in this world is light and it is momentary. Can I make this plain? Somebody say, make it plain. I want this string to represent the eternal glory of God. And I want this black mark right here to represent your 80 years. I'm trying to make this as close to scale as I can with something that you can see, so bear with me. But imagine this is your 80 years. And let's say you have what could possibly be the worst nightmare of a life. You're brought up without parents. They abandon you. As a child, you get molested and abused. As a teenager, you're brought into drugs and addictions. You then become a part of a gang, and you murder and you kill. You then go to prison. You get raped. I'm talking every possible worst thing. Then everybody you get close to as you get out of prison dies miserable, horrible death. And then you die of the worst kind of death, maybe leprosy. And then you watch even your family turn their back on you. Here it is, 80 years for better or for worse, put it all right here on this black dot. Are you listening to me? Are you listening? I said, are you listening? Put your life right here. Now, some of you say, well, my life's been bad, but it ain't that bad. Okay, I ain't been raped. I ain't been locked up. Okay, whatever. But some people have. Are you listening to me? Here's your life. Paul said there's an eternal glory that goes on. When you serve God beyond that black dot. Because you see your body eventually dies. And that was just temporary. And then you go to heaven. And life keeps going on. And see now instead of pain, you're in the presence of God. But you weren't meant to just stay in heaven because then judgment comes and you come down from heaven to earth. As it is in heaven as it comes on earth. And then the Bible says we are set up as kings and priests upon the earth. And we begin to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Maybe in scale have I crossed maybe a thousand years to your 80. This problem is starting to look a little bit more momentary now, isn't it? 
starting to get swallowed up in life, isn't it? Oh, but I got 500 feet of this kite string to make my example, so bear with me. The thousand-year reign of Christ passes. We've ruled and reigned with the nations. Then Jesus recreates the earth. The Father sets his throne with Jesus now upon the earth. The heavens are recreated. There's no more sun. God himself is the sun. And we continue on, not just for some generations, all generations. Not just forever, but and forever and ever and ever. And eternity continues to go on. And the blessings of God continue to go on. Now granted, I believe within 30 seconds of being in heaven, 80 years of pain have already been made up for. But God is going to go one step better than just a few minutes in heaven or a few thousand years on earth. He's going to have you on the earth ruling and reigning for eternity and he's going to put his glory on the inside of you until even if you try to go back and find that 80 years, it would be nothing in comparison to the eternal glory that outweighs everything you have ever gone through. Everything you have ever gone through is now made right. Now, see, I know when I preach like this, some people got a big old butt. They need to go on slim fast starting in 2018. Because when I start preaching like this, they go, but pastor, you don't know my problems, pastor. You don't know my God. You don't know my God. You don't know what eternity is going to be like. You don't know what it's going to be like to be in his presence. Year after year, after every tear has been wiped away, after every problem has been made right, after every question you had has been answered, after every, every theological discussion you wanted to have has already been had, he says, no, we haven't even got to the intro yet of eternity. You see, when we start to put our problems in light of eternity, this little thing that I can barely find now, it becomes light and momentary. Oh, but you say, Pastor, it doesn't feel like it's light and momentary. Yeah, because you're looking at the wrong thing. You just keep looking at what is seen. You're not looking at what is unseen. The eternal way to glory. Can I get personal with some of you guys right now? I want to get personal with you. Y'all don't know this brother right here. But Frederick, do you know your father? Doesn't know his father. Just hold on to that. Was an atheist in school. Didn't think there was a meaning to life. Could have had all the reasons to be a product of the streets. But Jesus came into his heart and changed his life. And he said, now I got a future for you. Start bringing it to yourself. Come on. There's a destiny for you. Come on, start bringing it in. And you see what people thought when they were just looking at a 19-year-old college kid, God was saying, I got a son that I want to spend eternity with. You ain't seen nothing yet, Frederick. This is not even the beginning of the beginning. This is just a moment of your eternity with God. Come on, somebody say there's a future for Frederick. There's a future for Frederick with a heavenly father that will last longer. That Come on, keep pulling it in. Then the father that abandoned him for 80 years, there is a plan to to prosper him and to give him a hope and a future that when he sees the glory of God, every pain he's ever faced because of not knowing a father will look light and momentary. If you believe it, can you say amen? Whoa, can you help him throw it back, Jose? Come on, I got some more people to preach to. Come on, 
I got some more people to preach to. See, you're looking at this short time. And you're saying, where's God? And he's saying, I'm all over you. I'm all inside of you. I'm all around this situation. But we're just so focused on that black dot. Come on, hand it back to Steve for me, please. A dude that was locked up for shooting people in gangs. Y'all don't even know half the people I got in this. Come and get you some future, brother. Let's give it up for Steve from C Block. Come on, bring it all the way back to your chair. There's plenty of future. Bring it all the way back. Come on. Seath from C-Block didn't grow up at the right side of the tracks, grew up in the humble park community, joined the gangs. You, and I'm telling the truth right now. Come on, uncle. You know what you're with. Pull in that future man of God. But in a jail cell, the Lord Jesus Christ showed up and said, it ain't over yet. What the devil meant for harm meant for good. I'm going to turn this jail cell into a Bible college and get that word within you. I'm going to give you a wife. I'm going to give you back your kids. Come on, pull in your future man of God. There is so much more. And then God says, we ain't even gotten started yet. There's churches for you to plant, Steve. There's missionary fields for you to go to. Pull it in, brother. Come on. There is lives for you to change. Generations hearing your testimony as you pull it in the glory of God. You should make a mess out of it. I got 200 more feet. Y'all ain't bored yet. Steve, thank you. You can put it back up here. Come on, somebody give it up for Steve. God's moving in this place. Just go ahead and set it down. Say, y'all don't know my God. So you talk about your problems like God and the devil are arm wrestling. Like this is some WWF or E or whatever it's called, some, you know, wrestling match. Devil got Jesus in a headlock. Oh, no, what's going to happen now? My life's messed up. My mom wasn't there for me. Oh, I just got in a car accident. Oh, they told me I lost my job. Oh, the devil got Jesus in a headlock. Am I going to make it out of this thing? Come on, somebody. I hope you all get this in your heart today. And God is saying, I got you. Come on, Brian, grab a hold of a piece of this. Wherever that black, oh, there's the black dot right there. Come on. pot smoking teenager y'all know pot smokers come on what's up dude what's going on man it's Brian he ain't gonna get married he's gonna live with a girl and go to another girl you know people like that come on but God said oh, I got a plan for you Brian pull in that future man of God I got a life for you I got a future for you I got a place I want you to be where you can change people's lives. Brian, I'm going to use you not only to have a future for you and your family, but you're going to bring in your mom. You're going to bring in your dad. You're going to be a history maker to your family. You're going to be old great-great-grandpa Brian. Oh, oh great-granddaddy. Oh, he's such a man of God. Oh, we love going to great-granddaddy's house. Great-grandchildren are going to sit on your lap and say, tell us a story about how you met old great-grandmama. They're not going to know nothing about your past. That black dot of your sin, they won't know none of it. They'll know 50-year anniversary with your wife. They're going to know holiness. They're going to know your heart of God. They're going to know the glory that covers you like the noonday sun. Thank you, my brother. You could just put it back up here. 
to set it down for me. Y'all getting an illustration now? The path in front of you is so much greater than the path behind you. I just fear for so many of you right now, you just want to go looking for that old past of yours. Where's my past? Well, I went to church and they told me a bunch of stuff, but I don't want to see any of that. I don't believe that. Let me just look at this relationship again, how they let me down, how this person hurt me. Oh, life sucks. I just, man, I guess I'll just try to make money to be happy, you know, take selfies of myself because that's all I get is likes on Facebook and big bank account. That's all I have to look forward to. And you're going to wonder why you busted and disgusted, tore up from the floor up. On the inside, you're broken. It's because you traded the eternal weight of glory for this world of pain. That's why I feel sorry for sinners. No matter if you're the best sinner, no matter the Bible says, even if you're the kind of sinner that owns the whole world, you still lose your soul in the end because then you win hell for this long. And do you think this string represents eternity? My friends, I would have to keep pulling out the string for eternity for it to represent eternity. Do you want to go to hell for eternity because of the hell you faced on this earth? What should the hell that you face on this earth, the troubles you face on this earth with, with the world, what should it do? Bring you to your knees and come before your Father and say, I kneel before you, my Father, that your spirit might fill me that I may know Jesus. May I be rooted and grounded in his love. May I know the width, the length, the height, and the depth of that love. May I be filled with his power. May I see things greater than I've ever imagined or asked. May I be filled with your glory as Christ is filled with the glory forever and ever throughout all generations. Amen. That's the prayer of Paul. That's what I want to leave you with at the end of this year, that you step into the glory of God, that you actually see the things that are unseen in your heart, and you begin to realize it's these things that matter, not the temporary. Can I get an amen? If you believe it, can you stand up to your feet and give it up for Jesus today? Come on, somebody give it up for Jesus. Band and altar workers, would you come please? Let's close out this year giving our heart to Jesus. And so that means today if you haven't been born again and you don't have all of this to look forward to, I want you today to repent of your sins so you can have eternity to look forward to. I hope you didn't hear no lie today that there won't be problems facing in 2018. For some of you, it may be the best year of your life. You may make the most amount of money. You may fall in love. You may do these great things because I totally believe that. But I don't know what problems face you. I don't know what you're going to have to go through. But I know this. God will be with you. Can you scroll up, please? I want you to see this today. There's a purpose for the pain. In all your hardships and trials and challenges, remember this. There is a purpose for my pain. It's an eternal glory that outweighs them all. All God is doing in this short time is showing us how to trust him, that he's a good God and he'll never let us down. Amen. Lord, I thank you today that there's a purpose for my pain, that I'm not down here by myself suffering with you not paying attention. God, you're going to use all of this for your glory. There's a world full of sin and pain because humanity made a wrong choice in the garden. But you said you would turn all things that were meant for bad for good. And that if we set our heart on you, 
we would see the glory be revealed in our lives. Today, those disciples are experiencing it. And one day we will too and forever be in your presence. One day, Lord, we will have resurrected bodies just like yours. And all of our tears will be wiped away. All of our questions will be answered. And all we'll have left to do is keep loving you and experiencing your glory. Take a few moments right now to confess your sins and Jesus as the Lord of your life if you haven't been born again. That's all you have to do to start a new life with Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Savior. The Bible says it's by faith we're saved. Those of us who are saved and you got some junk in the trunk, some things you're dealing with, just confess it. Say, Lord, forgive me. I've been focusing on the wrong things this year. Lord, I want to come into 2018 crispy and clean. I want to come in holy. I don't want to be looking at the black dot no more. I want to be pure as white as snow in Jesus' name. Come on. Everybody should be getting their heart right today. And for those of you who start sensing the love of God, just start to worship in your own way right now. We'll dismiss in just a moment. But let's pray, let's repent, and let's worship on our own. Let's set our heart on God. Because whatever problems you're facing today, I promise you this, it's better to go through them with God than without God. The atheist gains no points in trying to do it by himself. Trust me, I've met too many of them. Go through this with God. A few more moments. A few more moments. Jesus, we need you. We're just humble enough to admit it. We need you. Fill us with your glory even right now. Give us a taste in this jar of clay. Give us a taste of your glory. Now, if you want a taste of it, would you raise up your hands right now and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Come on, the Bible says the spirit of faith will come upon you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see right now that God can be good to you. No matter what others have done to you. You might feel pressed, but God's going to not let you be crushed. You may feel like you're left alone, but you're not abandoned. You may feel like you're pressed on every side, but you're going to make it. And you're not just going to make it any old way. You're going to make it with joy. Joy is going to be your confession today. Joy is going to be the way you go through your troubles. Peace of mind. Peace that passes understanding. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now would you just tell God three things that you're leaving behind at this service today to experience the new life. You just you ain't looking for it no more. You're not going to try to carry it out of this room. You're just going to put down some things in your past and let them stay there. Tell them three things you're leaving behind right now so the future ahead of you can be bright. Come on, I'm leaving behind my temper, my lack of patience. I'm leaving behind my insecurities. I'm leaving behind what people say about me. I'm leaving it behind, and I'm pulling in my future today. I'm stepping out of my past, and I'm stepping into my future. Do you believe it? A few more moments. I'm praying with you, saints. I want everyone to know it today. Don't let this service just be an event. Let it be a lifestyle. Let it be a lifestyle. Somebody say it today. I'm going to live because he died for me. And the life he purchased is a life full of glory. Come on, I'm going to live because Jesus died for me. And the life that I'm going to live is going to be full of glory. Amen. Do you believe it? Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Maybe a hallelujah, a shout of victory.
Woo! Come on, we believe it. Gracias, Señor. Gracias, Señor. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say there's a lot of future ahead. God bless you. We'll see you at life groups. If you need prayer for anything, please come on up. Or if you just want to worship, sing some songs with us. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a great day. Come on up and pray if you need some encouragement. We love to pray for you. Nothing in this world can separate me from your love. Lord, fill your people as we go. Bless us this year, Lord. Bless your people. No high and no death can separate us now. Not death, no light, or anything I've done. Nothing in this world